When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, tech fans, and welcome in to another edition of the Tech Sideline Podcast, recording on Wednesday, November 27th. And wow, do we have a lot to get to today on the TSL Podcast. We will be previewing the Commonwealth Cup, Virginia and Virginia Tech. We're talking hokey hoops, an upset over Michigan State, a loss to Dayton, what to make all of that, and an update on Olympic sports. That's all coming up on the Tech Sideline Podcast. Again, whether you're watching live or archived, we're so glad you could join us on Wednesday, November 27th. Same crew as always. Malcolm Stewart behind the scenes producing on the podcast set. Tech Sideline Managing Editor Chris Coleman, our founder and head honcho Will Stewart. I'm your podcast host, Evan Hughes. A reminder that this week and every week, the Tech Sideline podcast is presented by the Fisher Law Firm, Virginia's trusted DUI and traffic defense firm dedicated to defending individuals charged with traffic-related offenses. From their offices in Blacksburg and Roanoke, the Fisher Law Firm has handled cases throughout the Commonwealth of Virginia. They have also defended more than 30,000 people charged with a moving violation. For free consultation, Call anytime, day or evening, toll free at 1-800-680-7031. Again, that's 1-800-680-7031. Or you can email them at info at fisherlegal.com. All right. So warning, everybody, today's podcast is unprofessional. We are going to take a pizza delivery in the middle of the podcast since it's lunchtime. <laughs> it is lunchtime. Yeah. We are recording not at our, at our normal time uh, at around 12.15 on uh Wednesday before Wednesday. Thanksgiving. Right. So the day before. Uh, first of all, before we dive in, just want to say uh, happy Thanksgiving to you guys. Awesome to be doing the podcast the day before Thanksgiving. Uh, feeling really thankful to be here in the, the TSL studio. The Thankful about the podcast and TSL having a great year. Just uh, it's, a, it's a good time. Yes. It's been a good, uh, up, you know, up until last night, the loss to Dayton. But we're not going to talk about that. I, I, maybe, I, maybe we will talk about I'm it. I'm feeling know. thankful that we have a lot to talk about the day before. Seriously, this is one I think the more packed podcast we're going to have. It's um, that time of year, man. I no mean, it, it, it A lot gets, of different sports going on. Yeah. It gets, it gets hard to do this job this time of year with everything that's going on. And then you throw uh, – uh, Thanksgiving into it, so it's right in the yeah, middle. It's okay, a, it's a lot. So before we get going, I, I do have to ask because I envision a lot of people either watching or listening to the podcast. They're either going to be traveling to Thanksgiving tonight on Wednesday. Maybe they're listening tomorrow and their travel on Thanksgiving. Maybe they're listening to us on the way to Scott Stadium on Friday. So since Thanksgiving is the center, I have to ask, what is your favorite Thanksgiving uh, thing to get in the Thanksgiving buffet line? Let me put it that way. Like, what do you What's most your enjoy Thanksgiving about Thanksgiving food? There you go. Favorite Thanksgiving food? Hmm. Like, what does Chris Coleman just say? God, I can't wait for this on Thanksgiving. It's kind of a unique answer, but uh, I don't necessarily know. A lot of times I don't really have a Thanksgiving because it's UVA week, so and I can't cook. So uh, I, it's been so long. Whether it's Christmas, Thanksgiving, or whatever, my answer is a little unique. I would say deviled eggs. Love deviled, deviled eggs. eggs. Yeah. Okay. You want to come over to my house? we got room this year. No, I'm sleeping until... So the clock oh, says yeah, PM. yeah, because because yeah. tech tech plays uh, at uh, 
11 o'clock tonight against BYU. 11.30. 11.30 tonight. 11 30 tonight. So the game will end at 1.30, assuming it doesn't go to overtime, which watch it go to triple <laughs> overtime. And then uh, so, so you start writing up the, the recap and everything, but you have to wait for – the quotes, the for, quotes to get emailed to you and everything right. like that, and that can take to anywhere as much as an hour after the game. Yeah. So the recap will come about come out about three a.m. Thanksgiving morning. Oh goodness! <laughs> All right, good yeah. enough. How about you, Will? Uh, I like stuffing. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That's that's. I know that's weird, but that's my favorite part. I think turkey's so incredibly overrated. It's just, I completely it's just agree with you, Will. You know, yes. th- th- this, and this is a thing that is starting to surface about Thanksgiving is that people are starting to say, you know what, the whole turkey thing, overrated, man. Uh, every, everybody loves – I do not like sweet potatoes. Everybody loves the sweet potato casserole. Uh, they like the stuffing. They like the mashed potatoes. Everybody likes the pie that comes with Thanksgiving. But, you know, most people are just starting to say, man, the whole turkey thing, I don't know about that. That's overrated. I'm more of a ham guy myself. Oh, yeah, Absolutely. Okay. Well, listen, I promise we're not going to spend too much time talking about a Thanksgiving dinner because we have so much to get to. Uh, we, plus, we do have pizza coming out. Yeah, you're 100% right. Um, but, you know, typically we try and aim for these podcasts initially, like going to the two two shows a week format, you know, 30 to 45 minutes. Right. And the, with yeah. so much stuff going on, it's well. been harder and harder to get it under 60. But I promise you, we've got a lot to get to today. And, and the words of Malcolm Stewart. Just go. Let's just see what happens today. Just you know, let it let it fly. So let's jump right in. We're going to talk about Virginia Tech and men's basketball first. Then we'll spend the majority of the podcast, of course, previewing UVA and Virginia Tech. If you're watching on Facebook Live, be sure to drop your question now. Malcolm will take them down. We'll get to them at the end of the podcast. So I'm just laughing. Somebody out there is going, will Virginia Tech go to the NCAA tournament this year? <laughs> right now. Well, we, I will ask that question for those that are going. I'm going yeah. to ask you, but I'm not going to lead off with it. So, of course, we talked about this on Sunday. We had our special Tech Sideline podcast on Sunday. And I asked you guys, what would be successful for Virginia Tech basketball in Maui? And you guys basically said, one win. Don't come away with, with three losses. Right. Yeah, and it kind of depends on – who the win was against. I was expecting one and two with a win over Chaminade. Right. Honestly, that was my expectations going in, going into the tournament. Uh, whether Tech wins or loses tonight, let's say they do lose to BYU, yeah, they're one and two, but that one win against Michigan State, that makes everybody feel a lot better than, oh, we flew all the way to Maui and we came away with a win against a Division two team. Yeah. Sure. Right. So, listen, Virginia Tech, big underdogs against Tom Izzo and Michigan State, a team that was the preseason number one team in the country. Many believe they have maybe the best guard in America in Cassius Winston. And Virginia Tech, Mike Young and company, they go in and they stun Michigan State in the first round of the Maui Invitational. Will, I'll start with you. What is the bigger story, though? Because there's one side of that in Michigan State. The other story is Hokies lose big to Dayton on Tuesday. What's the bigger story for you, the win over Michigan State or the first loss of the season against Dayton? Uh, I'm not going to answer directly. I'm going to say that the two stories go together. Okay. Because I did not think, and Chris agrees with me, I didn't think Michigan State played very well at all. Oh, they were they were very dysfunctional. They didn't play particularly hard. Uh, they, they were not aggressive defensively. 
I'm assuming Tom Izzo gave them a good scouting report, and and they just and they just didn't listen to it. it. <laughs> right, right. Uh, that was a terrible, terrible game by Michigan State. Now that being said, it, it, it's not like it was some kind of fluke. Like Virginia Tech executed their end of the bargain. Sure. That's right. It's hit not like they threes. went out there and hit 20 threes. You know that they, they did what they normally do. That they, they hit a high percentage of their three pointers. Came up with loose balls. Didn't turn the basketball over. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, you got to give Virginia Tech credit, but you can also acknowledge that. Nobody's ever going to call Tom Izzo Mr. November, right? Yeah. You know, he's Mr. March. His t- that's when his team's peak. Uh, they're mm-hmm. Generally speaking, not nearly as good right now as they are in sure. most marches. And then you uh, – so let's see Jeez. if there's anything else we want to say about that. You know, you know you're know, you going to see uh, – you're going to see some Virginia Tech wins in the <laughs> ACC that look very similar to what you saw and, against and, Michigan State. And this is not a Virginia Tech-Michigan State thing. Look around college basketball every year. Stephen F. Austin wins in Cameron Indoor Stadium yeah. last night. First non-conference uh, home loss for Duke since 2000. Sure, absolutely. Richmond beats Wisconsin. Yep. Um, Radford beats Northwestern. Uh, um, Evansville uh, beats not, Kentucky. Not Kentucky yeah. Right. And Evansville, after that, lost to SMU, East Carolina. Morgan State took them to overtime. All right. Uh, so, so, so we were talking uh, about we're this not, yesterday, and I was like, Chris, you had me at East Carolina. Uh, if, right. if you're losing to East Carolina in basketball, uh, we're not, and we're not saying that Virginia Tech is Radford or Richmond, or although I heard Richmond hammered Tech in a preseason scrimmage. Yeah, anyway, that's uh, probably just a practice. Yeah, um, we're not saying that Virginia Tech is any of those teams, but we're saying that a lot changes between November and March. Yeah. Um, we've seen Virginia Tech lose to Alabama State before. We've seen Virginia Tech lose by thirty at home to West Virginia, and then a week later upset the number five team in the country. Yeah. So. Basketball is a long season, and, and there's a lot of peaks and valleys sure. to it. Um, and, that, I, I thought, and that was a peak. No, I, nice. I want to ask. I, this. I, I thought it was absolutely ridiculous that CBS came out the day after that game and ranked Tech number eleven in the country. Yeah. That, that that's just not smart. <laughs> I mean, do, do those guys know anything? I mean, eh, I, I don't know. Sorry, go ahead. No, which, well, let me ask you this though, because you guys were saying that you know, Michigan State didn't play well. I mean, but you look at this: Cassius Winston. I mentioned one. I mean, one of mm-hmm. the top guards in the country. Mm-hmm. Four fouls as a guard, mm-hmm. only scored seven points. Right, and big. the Hokies made ten threes. So let me ask you this: Even though Michigan State didn't play well, how much credit does Coach Young and Virginia Tech deserve? Oh, a lot for going in and yeah, and knocking um, off the number three team in the country. Well, well, the first thing you have to do is believe you can win. You know, and they certainly went in there with that belief. They, they they took it to Michigan State from the very beginning, and and even when Michigan State went on that run in the second half, Tech withstood it and stayed in the game mentally, which is very impressive uh, against a well-coached veteran team like, like Michigan State. Um, so they they deserve a lot of credit, um, and and it goes both ways. Nobody's trying to take credit away from Virginia Tech here. We're just trying sure. to say that. Like, don't don't expect them to win twenty four games because they happen to beat Michigan State, right? Yep. So uh, that's all we're saying here. So to finish my thought, the the other side of that coin is what Dayton did to the Hokies last yeah. night. Um, Billis was Jay Billis was was ragging on Michigan State the entire game for guarding the penetrators, leaving leaving the three point shooters open down in the corner. You know, he, and and Billis, I think he stopped short of asking the question, "Did you read the scouting report?" <laughs> Yeah. Dayton clearly read the scouting report, and they, they played tough, physical, man-to-man defense. They made Virginia Tech work for everything. They had the best player on the floor, one of the best players in college basketball. And, you know, in the same way that not every game is going to go like the Michigan State game went, and not every game is going to go like that one against Dayton right. went, 
And and you saw I thought you saw Tex Youth uh, late in that game against Dayton when they when they just you know they they got down close to twenty and just yeah. ran out of gas. I spent the last eight to ten minutes of the game just checking my watch, going, "Man, when's this thing going to be?" Because yeah, there were a lot of fouls in the second half. Yeah, um, well, and it just yeah. yeah, and and we saw actually towards the end of the first half, it was a close game in the first half. Tech got punched in the mouth towards the end of the first half on that seventeen to three run. And they didn't recover until after halftime. And they actually played pretty well for the first 10, 12 minutes of the second half. They played even, actually cut into the lead a little bit. They did. But when Dayton started punching them in the mouth again, they didn't respond. And they just pretty much checked out mentally. And that's not not uncommon for young teams when they're playing a bigger, more physical, more experienced team like that. And they're starting to get punched in the mouth. And they know they're going to lose. You check out mentally, yeah. and that that's common for young teams. We saw our football team do it against Duke this year. Yep. yep. Um. So, it happens, and that's not going to be the last time this year that it happens. It's, Some, it's, somebody it's, on the message board had a really good comment. They said, "It's so nice to to not get." super upset uh by a blowout you know yeah. because there's going to be some of that going I, on I, somebody year. said it in the comments to my article yesterday before the Dayton loss uh he said you know i feel like we're playing with house money yeah th- this year yeah. and i agree with that like you beat michigan state that's a big deal um but at this point it, it doesn't matter that you lose to dayton dayton's better sure. than tech um so, dayton would win that game 80 to 90 percent of the time they're, yeah. they're just better um Michigan State isn't as good at this point in the season as Dayton is. They're just not as functional. They'll be better in March, most likely, because that's just how Izzo teams roll. Um, but but it shouldn't take any – like, losing to Dayton as badly as Tech did last night shouldn't take anything away from what they've done so far. Right. I think they're ahead of what everybody expected at this point. Dayton is better than a number of ACC teams that Virginia Tech will play, including the one that they've already played. And Clemson. Correct. Right. Yeah. Um, so, Will, if, if the Hokies come away – again, for those that are listening, if you're listening on Thanksgiving or, or uh, Friday, they play BYU Wednesday night at 1130, as we said, for the final game in Maui. They win that. They go 2-1 and one on a scale of 1 to 10 with 10 being the best how would you rate Tech and Maui oh that's like an 8 or a 9 yeah you know a, t- a 10 assuming a 10 is winning Maui yeah, to me, yeah. assuming a 10 is winning it yeah now BYU is going to be tough I haven't studied them but you know how BYU is they have a bunch of 22 to 24 year olds playing yeah. for them you know yeah. and, that, they've, and they're 4 and 3 okay that, they, they've it's like I'm sure they're good but but they have struggled at times so far all right good yeah so we'll see how it goes. I don't know what to expect. You know, before we wrap up with basketball, because we've got a lot of football talk to get to, I want to ask about three players. We'll go ahead and start with Landers Nolly. And I think so many people were so curious. We'd been talking about how would the redshirt season affect him early on and would he be able to dive right in? Okay, he played well <laughs> against Clemson. Of course, he answered that question, then he kept it going. And then that big three he had against Michigan State. I mean, yeah. is this something that we should be expecting game in and game out as Nolly to drop at least 20 points a game? Uh, I wouldn't say that. Um, I think eventually, you know, as more and more film gets out and – He's presented with more and more matchup problems as he plays Dukes and UVAs and UNCs and and guys with athletes who can actually hang with him. Right. Um, you don't expect that to happen every night. And like every young player, he's got to learn the difference between a good shot and a great shot and when you pass up a good shot to hold out for a great shot. You know, Mike Young last night just told his guys, let her rip, right? You heard him say that in, in the pregame. And he's absolutely right to do that right now. You can't, I don't think you can really – you can't automatically teach a young player what a good shot is, what a great shot is, 
when to pass up the good shot right. to, to try to get the great shot. I, I think that's learned over time. You don't try to you don't try to overteach them with that right now. So Landers Nolly, Jalen Cohn, Naheem Aleen, Hunter Couture, all those guys, they're still learning that, and that's something that will gradually improve. And you look at last year's Virginia Tech basketball team, how much better they were offensively with a senior Justin Robinson, a sophomore Nikhil, Med being a uh, senior, senior Kerry Blackshear being a redshirt junior. They were good the two years previous, but once they all became upperclassmen and, or seniors in, in, in two of them's cases, they just got so much better at it. And, and this group will do the same. It's going to be an ongoing process. They're going to gradually yeah. get better at it. But when they're seniors, they're going to be really, really good at it. But it's, not, it's, it's something that, yeah, it's teachable, but it's, it's also something you have to learn from experience over time. It's, like, it's not going to be like, oh, one night you learn how to do it and you're perfect for the rest of your career. So I, I thought there, there are times where, and this I'm specifically talking about Nolly. He's really, really, really good. He doesn't know at times when to force a shot and when not to. Like, there are times he's doing it a little earlier in the shot clock than he should be, in my opinion. Now, sometimes they go in, and maybe that's because he's really, really good, or maybe there's a little bit of luck factor so far, and that's going to come back down to earth mm-hmm. um, as, he, as he progresses through his career. But, you know, that, that, that's for him to figure out, and Mike Young to sit down with him and talk to him about the ins and outs of things. Uh, I do think he forces things a, a little bit. But as guys step up around him and maybe a second scoring option, second consistent scoring option emerges, maybe he'll be less likely to do that. I think Hunter Couture has been really good recently. Mm-hmm. Everybody, I don't know, everybody was all over him after the Clemson game because he didn't make a shot. I'm like, dude, just played the first game of his college career. Yeah. You ready to run him out of town? Yeah. I mean, I was, my, uh... my goodness. I mean, the guy's a good basketball player. He mm-hmm. gets on the floor, he's got a high basketball IQ, and he can shoot. Um, I think Naheem Aline is going to be a really good scorer for Virginia Tech. He's he's a guy that can actually take guys off the dribble and finish around the basket. He's not finishing quite at the clip that you would want with his mid-range stuff and even around the basket, but as he gets a little bigger and a little stronger and adjusts to the speed of the game and things like that, he'll start finishing more and more of those and become a really good player for Tech. So I think Nolly will be better. Maybe his scoring average won't quite be better, but he'll be a better basketball player when guys get better around him, I think. Damn. That was a long-winded answer. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great here, – here's uh, – real quick, because I think it is worth mentioning this. Uh, two guys that have seemed just to really step up and Coach Young has been really high on, Beatty and P.J. Horn. Mm-hmm. How have you seen, especially Horn, transition into a, uh, a guy who can – Make shots well, on Horn the perimeter. Horn made one three-pointer last year, right? Yeah. You know, and, and there was, somebody was joking on our message board. I don't remember exactly how they put it, but it was like, oh, P.J. Horn's been freed now that Buzz is out he, of town. He was the only guy that didn't have the green light under Buzz. Yeah, and yeah. wow. And, and they ma- said that he worked so hard this summer on his three-point shot, really put an emphasis on so, it. So let, let, let's, let's talk about P.J. Horn. When he was in high school, he was recruited to Virginia Tech as an undersized power forward, 6'5", right? Right. So – Obi Toppin, when he was coming out of high school, was 6'5". And then he went to prep school and grew four inches that year in prep school. So imagine if P.J. Horn had grown three inches after he got to Virginia Tech. He'd be Obi Toppin. He'd be – I mean, it's, it's, it's like one of those things that's like, okay, 
sometimes you just get lucky. Well, that's the right? David Robinson story. He came out of high school something like six four or six five, and by the you know by the it's time the he, Steph Curry story. By the time he was done at Navy, he was David Robinson. <laughs> right, right. And same, same with Steph yeah. Curry. Um, and yeah, so PJ PJ is a really skilled player. I wish we could play him as an undersized power forward as opposed to an undersized center. Yeah. He's going to have nights where I think he's really good and. Honestly, he's going to have some nights where he's totally where he disappears because he's just if he's playing a bigger guy who's not as athletic as him. Mm-hmm. But there there are times gonna, where he's going to play a bigger guy who's just as athletic as him in the ACC, and those are the nights where he's going to disappear. Hmm. Like I don't think like look at him like they, Dayton had some athletic big men topping Oof. obviously, yeah. But how many rebounds did he have last night? I think at halftime he only had one. I don't know about the second half. So one, yeah, he had uh, four rebounds. Four rebounds. Right. So you know you can control. How, I'm sorry, seven. Excuse me. Oh, did he end up with four? Seven? He had four offensive rebounds. Uh, and are you sure you're looking at the right box score? Sorry. You're okay. Uh, I'm Michigan sorry. State I had Michigan State up. He had seven yeah. boards against Michigan State, and yesterday he had three. Three. Right. Okay. So you can control how hard you play. Right, so if you give absolute one hundred percent of your ability as a six-five center, what if the other center is six-ten, is just as athletic as you, and also gives a hundred percent of his ability? Right, you're going to lose. Yeah. You can't give more than a hundred percent, right? People say give a hundred ten percent, but no, you can't give more than a hundred percent. It is what it is. <laughs> what, what if you I, and that other guy try the exact same level, and he's just you know bigger yeah. than you and so yeah, you you Tech is going to play as hard as they can this year. I know that, but there are going to be nights where they face teams that play just as hard, but they're bigger, and there there'll be nights, and those are going to be the nights where Horn's going to struggle. Yeah. Hokies and BYU eleven thirty tip in Maui to close off the Maui Invitational for Virginia Tech. Their next home game, the Duke, Duke Blue Devils, which is sold out by the way. Uh, also, BYU, worth noting right now, uh, so they beat Cal State Fullerton, lost to San Diego State, beat Southern Utah by five, beat Houston by one, beat uh, lost to Boise by four, and lost 78-63 to UCLA. Oh, no, they beat UCLA yeah. 78-63, their best one of the year, lost to Kansas 71-56. So. That is all over the map. So yeah. we'll see what happens tonight. Well, we yeah, will well see. I mean, it's November in basketball. Yeah. yeah Anything it, can happen. Yeah. All right. Well, that'll do it for our conversation on Hokies basketball. We've got some football to talk about. We've got a Coastal Championship on the line, a berth in the ACC title game on the line, and an Orange Bowl berth on the line. When we come back from this, uh, from this time out, Tech Sideline Podcast presented by the Fisher Law Firm. If you have received a DUI or other traffic-related offense, the road ahead can seem uncertain. Here at Fisher Law Firm, we have a team that is with you every step of the way. We have the experience that comes along with having defended more than 30,000 criminal and traffic cases statewide and the expertise to get the job done. Call anytime, day or evening, for your free consultation or a complimentary copy of my book. Don't forget to ask us about our free appeal guarantee. To learn how we can help solve your problem, check us out at FisherLegal.com. This is Jonathan Fisher, Class of 98. Let's go. Hokies. Welcome back to the Tech Sideline Podcast presented by the Fisher Law Firm. So glad that everybody could join us, whether you're watching live or archived or listening, however, wherever you're getting the Tech Sideline Podcast. So glad you could join us. Malcolm Stewart, Will Stewart, Chris Coleman, Evan Hughes. We wrap up talk on Virginia Tech men's basketball. We transition to the game, the Commonwealth Cup, Virginia and Virginia Tech. Guys, this one has probably the most at stake for both sides since at least 2011. It's the third time that Virginia Tech and UVA are meeting with the Coastal on the line. And, again, it's been since 2011, the last time that it happened. (laughs) Yes. 
We're here in a conversation. Yes. Domino's. Great selection, by the good way. Good selection. They have a good app. Do they? You know? okay. I mean, they don't pay us for sponsorship, but their app is pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll let you get the first word. When when you, th- I don't want to ask a, a, I want to ask a broad question here because when you're thinking about this game right now, whether it's UVA, whether it's the streak, whether it's Tech and what they need to do, when you're thinking about this game, what's at the top of mind right now? Wow, um, the fact that you know, to be honest, I, I don't want to use the word bored, but I, uh, there was there was about a five year stretch there where, um, all right, man, thank you, Sir Malcolm. Ooh, that is hot. Where I was. Uh, it was be, it was getting difficult to find things to say about the game, um, particularly once uh, you know once Tech started to struggle around 2012, 2013, 2014, and, and UVA was struggling under under Mike London. It just I, I'm, I'm I'm struggling to find the words, but it, it lost something for me. I just wasn't that interested in it anymore. Um, this game is is really interesting and it's not just because of the streak every article i wrote about this game for the last five years has been about the streak that's that's all there is to write about you know and now there's just a lot more going on and i'm not just talking about the coastal championship i'm talking about um uh just i find myself looking at virginia tech and how their season has turned around and one of the things we're talking about is uh and Chris wrote this in an article, and I, I echoed it in my Monday thoughts. Uh, when, you, when you think about this game, Virginia Tech's had such a nice turnaround this season that, that actually going out and losing to UVA would kind of ruin all that, you know? Everybody, everybody wants Virginia Tech to finish, finish this time, just like you finished in 2010, just like you finished in 1995. You lose those first two games or two of the first four. 2004, they lost two out of the first four. So that, that's kind of, to me, it's not just about this game or the streak or even about the Coastal title. It's about how are you going to remember this season? And I think we all want to remember it as an amazing turnaround that ends with a trip either, you know, to the ACC championship game where you either have an incredible once in, a, in every 10 years win and you win the ACC or you lose the ACC and you get to go to the Orange Bowl. <laughs> When, when, you know, we going were talking. Going to the Orange Bowl either way, right? I was going to say, win yeah. or lose, you're going to the Orange Bowl, correct? Well, how about that? Yeah. yeah. So, you're right. It's for the Orange. This game is for it's the Orange Bowl. It's just so much bigger than the daggone streak or having to monitor message boards if Tech loses or, or whatever. Now, the other thing I think is that, um, and, and we're going to break this thing down, and Virginia Tech should win this football game, just like they should have won that game against Pitt last weekend, and they did. Virginia Tech should win this football game. That doesn't mean they're going to, you know. Sure. Um, uh, I, I tell people all the time, man, it, at some point, things are going to break Virginia's way. There's so much that hasn't broken their way. And a lot of that, and almost none of that is luck. Most of it is is either bad coaching decisions on UVA's part or just Virginia Tech making plays. Most yeah. years, Tech has better players, let's be honest. Yeah, and last year, that wasn't really the case. That, UVA yeah. was a better team last year, and Tech won it. Yeah, yeah. so uh, one of these days, that, that streak's going to come to an end, and I just really don't want it to be this year. Last year, eh, I don't know. Well, well, that would have ended the bowl streak also. And the UVA streak at right. the same time. But it would have been understandable last year, because just Tech wasn't a, good, wasn't a very good team. Um and they weren't better than you this year. Last Tech year. should win, Te- right. and there's a lot more yeah. on the line. Right there's, a, and like he said, um, you you want to have good memories about this team. 
because they've it's such an incredible story their turnaround it's been fantastic but i think your average fan would remember them as a team that the first team to lose to uva in almost two decades yeah and and forget about all the good they accomplished in october and november before the uva game um and this goes back to basketball as well. I, I, I like where the fan happiness is right now. Um, beating Michigan State, having a really good year. and uh, Trolling people's uh, yeah. final scores yeah, on exactly. Twitter. That, 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 exactly. Sorry. And this is it's a happy fan base. And it wasn't a happy fan base a few <laughs> months ago. From the transfer portal stuff at the end of last season, to Buzz Williams leaving, to the first month of football season, our fans were in a bad mood, and it put me in a bad mood because we, uh, we have to read about it all day on message boards and things like that. And I got tired of talking about it. It was really everywhere you went in that was, first month of the football season, it, everybody wanted to talk about how bad Virginia Tech and, and was. And it gets and that, annoying. It was it's very it's, fatiguing. It's, it's, it's very fatiguing. And the fan base is happy right now, man. And I want to. I want them to keep being happy because <laughs> it makes so, me happy. Okay, there we go. Fan base guys, mm-hmm. everyone needs you to stay happy. Okay, there <laughs> yeah. you hear it. Red shirt people and stay happy. Mm-hmm. Chris Coleman. Mm-hmm. Um, listen, I, let, let's just go ahead and talk about UVA. We'll talk about Tech, but let's talk about this Virginia team that has been the most consistent team in the coastal from August to November. Is that fair to say? I would say that's fair. Yeah. And they are led by Bryce Perkins, who is. One of the more elusive quarterbacks in the ACC. A quarterback that can get, get it done through the air and on his feet. But the Hokies have also seen him before in last year. And the majority of the defense comes back from last season to this year. How important and what kind of advantage does it hold that this team went up against him last year? Do you think there's any kind of advantage to that? I think it's, I think it's an advantage that... They've played two or three quarterbacks in a row that have escapability in the pocket. Um, not necessarily that they faced Perkins before, because he's going to be the best scrambling quarterback All year. that they faced this year, except for maybe the exception of, of Newman at Wake Forest. Who really knows? But uh, that's three or four quarterbacks, even if a county in Book who has some escapability. Guys that can escape the pocket. And, the, and those guys used to kill Tech, and they haven't done it recently. Yeah. Um, Tech has done a great job against mobile quarterbacks recently. And by recent, I mean at least the last month, maybe more than that. I, I, I know the last month. So I feel good about that from that standpoint. But I also recognize that as far as his escapability and his running goes, he's better than those guys. He breaks a lot of tackles. He's really strong. You can't He, he makes the exceptional play. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like Can that two-point conversion against Florida State. Yeah. Do you remember when he like just danced all oh, around yeah, the yeah. field? Oh, he single-handedly won that game. Yeah. Um, I mean, he, Florida State's defense, Florida State outplayed UVA most of that game, but he was running around so much that you could just look at their defense and tell they were gassed in the fourth quarter. And, and the running ability of uh, Ian Book and, and Kenny Pickett was really annoying, but uh, Bryce Perkins can do what they do and then do the extra thing, mm-hmm. you know. And, and that, that's one of the things that's got me worried about this game, you know. I don't know about his motivation. People are like, uh, how, how bad do you think he wants to win this game after fumbling that snap last year? Uh, as we talk about time after time after time, that stuff matters oh, for the first so, couple of minutes of the so game. So you bring it up, Will, and I think it's worth asking both of you right now. If, if you're a Tech fan – what is worrying you about this game? Because if you look at shutting out teams the last nine quarters in a oh, row. I got that one. Because Virginia Tech-wise, they're playing well. There should be no reason to panic about the Hokies right now, correct? 
what what worries you is what Pitt fans went through last weekend. Give up the big play, give up the touchdown, then fumble and give up another touchdown. Boom, boom, you're down 14. That's the kind of thing that worries me. Playing a game that isn't determined by big plays or turnovers doesn't worry me. Virginia Tech should win that game. For sure. So that's – that's, uh, and we'll run through some stats for you. Uh, and I've got them on a printout here. Bryce Perkins is not good at throwing the ball down the field. What if he just chucks one up and they get a 70-yard touchdown pass? You know, these are things that are not supposed to happen right. that throw off the natural order of how the game is supposed to go. It's like what if That's somebody a, a half-court shot? That kind of thing. How right? about you, Chris? What, what worries you the most about this game? Well, from an X's and O's standpoint, their front against Tech's front, they're a 3-4 defense, but they hit you with a lot of different looking fronts. They bring a lot of exotic blitzes. Tech stars two sophomores and three freshmen on the offensive line, and those freshmen are going to see some things on Friday that they've never seen before. So that's a concern. But, uh, but at the same time, they're so aggressive and they blitz so much, Virginia Tech's offense is based on misdirection. Mm-hmm. I, see, I see Virginia Tech being in a lot of third and longs in this game, but I also see them hitting some big plays when their misdirection catches UVA in the wrong blitz. Um, but they're – in general, their front against Tech's young offensive line is concerned from an X's and O's standpoint. That's the only thing that really concerns me from an X's and O's standpoint. You know, even with Perkins break some runs, I don't think they're going to be able to be consistent in the passing game against Tech. But throw out X's and O's, the one thing that concerns the main thing, the only thing that concerns me is the law of averages. I mean, they got to win at some point, right? Yeah, you just have yeah. to. Year after well, year no, it, after year, it, the it, law of averages. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, I mean Seriously, it's, it adds up. I mean, they have to beat Tech at some point. It's, I mean, what do you want to go to the, the next 100 years, Tech winning the game? That's not going to happen, right? It's got to happen at some point. And to me, too, I was thinking about this, and you, I, I don't know the answer to this question per se, but to me, it does feel like if UVA is going to do it, it was either last year oh, yeah. or this year, because to me, this is a senior-led team offensively and defensively. They lose a lot. After I, this I don't year. know. They've, they've got. Well, I think I looked at their roster card, and they got about seven seniors starting total. Well, you know, Perkins is the big one. You, you, yeah, you don't he's know, the You big don't know how he'll be replaced. Um, we don't know how good Armstrong is. I believe he's their backup. Watch out for him. Some trick situations, by the way. You know, they he'll were line tar- up. He'll he'll line up in punt protection and throw passes and things like that. Right. Their backup quarterback. Um, I, I think. I don't know that UVA is as good right now as they were this time last season. I think that's fair. Or earlier this year. Or, or they, certainly. I think their offense has been coming on the last few weeks, but their defense has really dropped off with some key injuries in the secondary. But I, I think I might be wrong on this, and some people might disagree, but I, I think their team last year at this time was slightly better than the one right now. They were certainly better than Virginia Tech last year. And Tech won the game still. You know, Tech, I believe, is better than UVA this year. I, I think UVA is good in two of the three phases of the game. I think they're below average offensively, and I think Tech is good in all three phases. So, therefore, Tech should win the game. But, you know, the team that should win doesn't always win, especially when this law of average that keeps building up, man. Right. I do want to run through, for those that don't really realize the schedule they played this year, uh, so they're 8-3, and 5-2 and two in the conference, open up the year at Pittsburgh, 30-14 win. Win against William and Mary, beat Florida State at home 31-24, knocked off Old Dominion, and then they were in the top 20. They went to South Bend. They lost at number 10 Notre Dame 35-20. Uh, at Miami, 17-9 loss on a Friday night was not a good loss. I'm sorry, not it was kind of like one of those ugly games oh, yeah. against the Hurricanes. 
They did smack Duke 48-14. to always smack Duke. Um, lost at Louisville 28-21. Beat North Carolina on the road 38-31. Edged Georgia Tech 33-28. Bye week, Liberty 55-27 win. And now Virginia Tech. So... The Georgia Tech thing, a game really is what stands out to I me. I think that's the outlier and all that. Uh, Georgia Tech, like their secondary or UVA secondary, has piled up some injuries. And Georgia Tech, they actually made Georgia Tech James Graham look like a really good quarterback. Mm-hmm. He went 15 of 22 for 229 yards and two touchdowns mm-hmm. in that game against UVA secondary. Um, I forget the kid's name. We don't know that he's going to be starting, but uh, one one of their defensive backs. Uh, Heskin Smith, he's a small corner, 5'11", 175. Liberty targeted targeted him 17 times. Didn't target any anybody else more than seven times. They targeted him 17 times, completed 10 of them for 223 yards and two touchdowns. He is one of the biggest liabilities in the, in the secondary on Virginia Tech's schedule this year. We don't know whether he'll play this week because we don't know the health status of some of their other players. But if he's out there, he just makes their defense so much worse quite frankly. Um, so I, I don't think their defense is as good as it was earlier this year. Uh, I think their offense is better right now than it was earlier this year because I think I watched that ODU game. and, and ODU o- hung in there, right? Oh, ODU's defense just completely annihilated UVA's offensive line. Yeah, uh, that lo- their offensive tackles are bad. Their interior isn't that is decent. Um, but, I, but Tech, ha, Tech has a major strength at defensive tackle and middle linebacker, too. So I think that even if they cancel each other out, uh, UVA's offensive tackles aren't good, particularly the left tackle. So let's do this. I want to focus a little bit about the offense, the defense. We've kind of been circling around. I want to kind of take a deeper dive in, read some stats. Will, I want to ask you this about Virginia's offense. Perkins gets all of the attention, and the stats show that as well. Not only is he, of course, their leading passer, obviously, but he is their leading rusher with 523 yards. Well, read the number of attempts. 177 attempts, and then their closest running back, 97 rushes. Now, so that's a the, wide margin. Of those 177, about, I think, 34 of those are sacks. They're 115th in the country in sacks allowed. Yeah. So, so he's now, as many sacks as they've given up, they've actually sacked opposing quarterbacks more. Pitt was number one in the country in sacks, and I think UVA is eight or nine. I looked it up this morning. Yeah. So. Um, but back to the topic. So he's got what I would call 140 or 140, 140, 145 true rushing attempts, whether they're scrambles or designed runs or whatever. Yeah. And the, and the next, uh, uh, the guy with the next most carries is, uh, the running back with 97, you say? Mm-hmm. 97. So what's the question? I'll answer it. Uh, <laughs> just when you look at Virginia's running game and how Perkins is their leading rusher, they're pretty one-dimensional, according to the stats, correct? They, they are until they get inside the 10-yard line, and then they hand it off to, uh, what's the pronunciation? Uh, I have no idea. Talapapa, is that how you pronounce it? <laughs> Your guess he, he's got something like, uh, um, let's see, he's got 11 touchdowns, and I think the stat is that 9 or 10 of them have come from inside the 10-yard line. And I remember watching them play earlier this year and thinking, you know, I, I like him in, in the – in the red zone, he's he's, a, he's not a huge guy, but I, I think he's a physical guy for his size. So it, it looks as if they get, you know, again, without having watched them a lot and just looking at the stats, it, it looks like Perkins gets them into the red zone and Talapapa gets them in on the ground, and Perkins has, has a number of rushing touchdowns also. He's got nine. 
Um, and then the other thing they do down close is I think that I think they go to Joe Reed. Joe Reed's average average depth of target. It's funny because when we when we put together the roster card, the um, the receivers are sorted on uh, number of yards. So Reed is actually UVA's third leading receiver of number of yards, leading receiver in number of catches. Um, he's got six touchdowns, so his average depth of target is only about eight, eight and a half yards or something like that. But he's got six touchdowns. He's the guy who scores the touchdowns for him. They've got somebody else with three and another guy with one. So that's kind of a that's kind of a look at um, somebody on our message board phrased it very well. They said that they use their defense to try to force turnovers. That they're just very active pressuring your quarterback and they're trying to force turnovers and get you in a short field and then Perkins will get you down into the red zone and then they got two guys two or three guys that can get you in from there so here's a question I have for you guys one thing I like to do especially about the quarterbacks is kind of rank them in terms of what VT has seen this year Mm -hmm. I'll ask you this Virginia's offense where does this rank and if they're not number one or so give me like top five top seven where does this offense rank in terms of toughest offenses that tech's defense will see this season Hmm. to be honest tech hasn't faced all that many tough offenses this year Um, no i'm going through it in my mind Uh, miami's sometimes is good sometimes it's not Pitts was terrible georgia tech's was terrible notre dame can't run the ball so there's was yeah but they're receivers they're tight tight in in the receiver yeah yeah. rhode island's receivers yeah, I, I love bringing those good. guys they up. Good. Um, uh, BC's offense is actually pretty good. AJ, AJ Dillon. They were at that point in time. And, um, and, and Wake, UNC's was the best. Wake, Wake Forest, we didn't see the best of Wake Forest because they were missing one wide receiver and then another one got knocked out. So right. we, did, we didn't see the best of them. So is this top three, would you say? If it is, that doesn't say much about is Texas Is that damning with schedule. faint praise? Yeah, because yeah, I just – I think Perkins is good. I also don't think he's I don't think he's not a natural passer. You know, he's bottom half in the ACC and big time no, he's he's last place in the ACC in big time throws. Mm-hmm. Um he's last place in the ACC in accuracy rate 20 yards or more downfield. Um I just don't think he's a natural in the passing game. I think losing Zacchaeus really hurt their offense a lot. Yeah. Um and if if you want to talk about Joe Reed, last year he averaged over 18 yards a catch. Wow! All right, against Virginia Tech, he had four catches for 119 yards and two touchdowns. Mm-hmm. He can he can beat guys deep, but they're using him as a little outlet guy this year, and he's, he might be one of the most poorly utilized players in the country, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. But but so I, I just I don't I see I think Tech's corners are so good that they can negate UVA's receivers who were pretty solid. Oh, by the and way, I, UVA's receivers have phenomenal hands. They're very good uh, hands. They don't drop passes like Pitt's receivers. Uh, let me let me find that stat where you guys keep talking. It was something like two drops in, in, in 244 targets. Yeah, that, that, that was is insane. Yeah, that's pretty insane. Yeah. So they're not going to drop passes against Tech, most likely, like, like Pitt did. But I also think, you know, that Tech's corners are really, really good, and, and Perkins, I don't know, if you take away the short throws like Tech did against Pitt – they're going to have trouble completing passes down the field is just what it seems like. And it seems like outside of the difference in the receiver's ability to catch, if you stop their short passing game, they're not going to be able to throw mm. the ball on you. And I don't think their running game is one of the worst in the country. Yeah, they, are they like 118 in running? Something like in that. In yards per uh, game or something yeah, like they're that? Just, they're not good at it. So and, I, and they they don't generate any more of a tailback running yeah. game than Virginia Tech does. Right. The the yards per carry are very similar. So I, I don't think 
I don't know where I'd rank them. I mean, maybe they're middle of the pack, but that's simply because Tech just hasn't faced that very many good offenses. Uh, I just don't think they stress you all that much. And if if Perkins is on, then I think he's certainly played better in the last month, but he also hasn't played a good defense in the last month. Uh, last thing I'll say about the offense, I was looking at their uh, offensive line. Um, no red shirts. Really? And actually, if I'm if, well, Will, no, uh, you know what? They only list red shirt if they're a red shirt freshman. They're one. Of, uh, they're one of those schools that they drop the R once you get beyond being a red shirt freshman. I was about to say because on defense and offense they have no red shirt starters, yeah. and I was yeah. about to. Uh, yeah, <laughs> but I disapprove. If that was the case. <laughs> their O line: uh, left tackle, sophomore; left guard, sophomore; center, sophomore; right guard, junior; right tackle, junior. So that's wow. compared to what Tech has seen offensive lines here the last couple weeks. That's actually fairly young. Um, any any other points you want to make about the offense before we look at the defense and then get to questions? Anything else that jumps out at you? All right, let me find. We've got a couple of guys on our subscriber board who do advanced numbers type things, and um, they 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 drop it every week, and it's just great stuff. One of them is AIS Hokio Five, and the other one is uh, Kamikaze Twenty One or something like that. He spells it funny. And I was finally looking at it the other day, and I was like, oh, that's pronounced Kamikaze. Um, <laughs> so let's see what. Let me let me find out which one of those guys was talking about. Uh, Okay, talking about Bobby Haskins at left tackle. Uh, Brutally called him a turnstile and said, there's some bad left tackle play in the ACC, and he's up there with the worst of them. 34 QB pressures allowed on the year are the most of any left tackle in the conference. Um, their QB pressure rate of 32.6% is better than only Georgia Tech. So that, you know, you can, you can get pressure on Perkins. And, of course, then he can burn you by getting away from it. So... Uh, let's see. I think we've covered everything. Yeah, we talked about. Uh, so, so here is the stat on Perkins uh, throwing downfield on targets of 20 plus yards downfield. Perkins is the lowest graded quarterback in the ACC, and his accuracy rate is just 20.9 percent, worst in the league. Right. Wow. Well, you remember that deep ball they had running wide open behind Tech's defense yep. last year. Yep. Yeah, he, the receiver he, he dropped it, but he underthrew it like crazy. Yeah. 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 Um, so Chris was talking earlier, one, one more thing, and then we'll wrap up this part of it. Chris was talking earlier about big-time throws, BTT, and that's a pro football focus uh, uh, statistic. And, and they evaluate throws regardless of whether or not they're completed. Just did the quarterback make a good throw? And a big-time throw is, wow, that's the kind of throw an NFL quarterback would make. And uh, it says that Bryce Perkins has a rate of 1.6% big-time throws. So – you know, interesting Which is stuff. Lowest in the ACC. Yeah, right. lowest among ACC QBs. I would think it's low, yeah. one of the lowest in the country. Um, but so we're going to sit here and hash all these numbers and talk about all these things and all these matchups and everything. And the conclusion is that Tech should win this football game. Yeah. So it gets back to earlier in the conversation about, you know, what are you worried about, the things that throw yep. the game off. And we'll get to your predictions here in a minute, which I know where it's going, but I'm going to ask a, throw a wrinkle in there too. Uh, quickly want to look at this defense because they only have three, three senior starters. Uh, that is at uh, two on the defensive line. That's Richard Burney at left side defensive end, Eli Handback, right side defensive end, and then their middle linebacker, Jordan Mack. But also their entire secondary, all juniors, so all upperclassmen, so still some experience there. You know, UVA's played in a couple of low-scoring games, like the Miami game, uh, looked sharp at times against Liberty. So what do you make of this Virginia defense? What challenges will they give Hendon Hooker in the Hokies' offense? Well, 
the number of different fronts they line up in will create problems for Tech's offensive line, particularly with a true freshman center. I mean, you got three freshmen starting right next to each other, and they'll see looks they haven't seen before. They, they blitz more than just about anybody. Um, a lot of exotic blitzes that the Tech offensive line hasn't seen before. I think their pressure rate is third highest in the country. Fourth highest. Fourth highest. Yep. So they really want to get there and get mm. offenses behind the chains, force turnovers, things like that. Hooker hasn't been blitzed yet like he'll be blitzed this week. And the thing about Pitt is they blitz, but they actually have a – their blitz rate is like right at ACC average. That They can get, they can get pressure with their front four. Um, UVA blitzes a lot. That's how they get their pressure. So, yeah, I think Tech is going to get knocked back to, into some long yardage situations, but the Hokies are so adept at those screens and misdirection passes that I think they're going to hit some big plays too. So that's going to be a real interesting matchup from an X's and O's standpoint, Tech's offense versus UVA's defense. I think that's the most interesting part of the game. And they have, and they, they bring it from everywhere. They have seven guys that basically they get involved in pressuring the quarterback. I would imagine that's the entire front seven, you know, and probably not just doesn't include the defensive backs. Um, Chris talked about uh, uh, maybe worrying about Brian Hudson at center. UVA's got a, a defensive tackle who's, whose win rate, and again, I'm borrowing these stats from these posts on the message board, which, which is great stuff. This defensive tackle's win rate, Aaron Falmui, I think that's how he's it's listed as a backup left end. Yep. Yeah, he's actually not listed as as an right. end. Okay. Right. Because um, I think he started for him a deep at nose guard last year, though, right. if I remember right. But I don't really remember. But he plays a lot either way. But he's got the one of one of the highest win rates in the country. In other words, he beats the guy in front of him. Mm-hmm. So. Mm. Um, all right. So we've talked a little bit about the defense. Now I kind of want to incorporate Virginia Tech into the picture now. So Hokies offense. What does Hendon Hooker, this offense, need to do? It might just be as simple as you guys might just answer, say, keep doing what they've been doing. Uh, that's, but is actually, there anything that, that's actually my first instinct. That, just keep doing I, what you're doing. Yeah. Um, is there see, anything that, that won't work against UVA that they've been doing? Anything that causes concern defensively? I don't, I don't think it'll be tough for them to run up the middle. But then again, I think UVA is going to really stress not giving up outside runs. I think, you know, that's their thing. So maybe the Tech will find some, some room up the middle. But we've seen Tech – add something to their misdirection game every week like they were killing georgia tech with one thing and then they threw it back to tavion robinson the next week against pitt which they worked that off of what they did the previous week yeah. again against georgia tech so what do they add this week what wrinkle do they add uh against uva how does brad cornelson keep uh moving the target like like you to say right. like, like you say um the and i don't know you know, if I if I knew that, I'd be coaching. And, that's right. <laughs> yeah, um, but I do think that's going to be the most interesting matchup of the game. Okay. It's just Virginia Tech's offense, their their ability to generate big plays through misdirection, and a UVA defense, which because they blitz so much, is probably susceptible to some misdirection. Well, I'll ask you this question now. Flipping the other side, going back to Tech's defense against UVA's offense. Can the Hokies blitz as much as they have been the last couple of weeks against Bryce Perkins and the Cavaliers? Hmm. Uh, I I think that you know based based on the fact that uh, Perkins is now. Don't get me wrong; he does have some good numbers in the passing game. But he's not going to knock your socks off as a passer. So I think you can. And Tech's corners are playing so well that I think you can uh, um, you can play a lot of man coverage. Uh, and that does free you up to blitz if you want to. Um, so it's a, 
you know, what approach do you want to be? Do you want do you want to pressure the heck out of Perkins and try to get him to make some mistakes, or do you want to just play your lanes and keep him in the pocket and and cover the receivers? Uh, and that's up to Bud to figure out. That's why Bud gets paid the big bucks. Um, I, although I, I like I like Dax Hollyfield and, and Rayshard Ashby. I don't think either one of them is particularly good at a change of direction type tackle. Um, Chamari Connor's pretty good at that. We know Tisdale's good at it, Alan Tisdale, but ah, see, actually, his missed tackle rate is getting really high. Remember, Book juked him in the open field against Notre Dame, and after that, teams have been going right after. Mm, interesting. Yeah. That I don't recall. Yeah. I did not recall yeah. it. Yeah. So he looked great against Georgia Tech, but uh, against but, other. But teams, that was a straight so line closing speed tackle. Correct. Yeah, yeah. that guy yeah. didn't try to juke him. So, so you know, I, you know, that's a great point. I don't know, man. All right, so we've talked a little bit about the Hokies, and now, of course, it is time for predictions, which. It sounds like we know the direction you're going in, but let, let me just ask this question before I ask you a score and uh, who's going to win. Is there a chance that Virginia Tech easily beats Virginia? Yeah. Yep. If um, Easily being maybe 10 or 13 plus. Uh, I think so. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, you, it could go like the Pittsburgh game went. You know, you get those two early scores, it throws things out of whack. You, you get back to the offensive the game. You get back to the offensive game plan for Virginia Tech – it's very similar to the one against Pittsburgh. You know, um, don't do anything stupid on third and long. You know, play the field position game uh, as long as you're keeping them under control with your defense, which I think they will. Um, so I'm, I'm getting off track here a little bit. Yeah, if, if a couple of plays happen that throw things out of whack, it could wind up being a, a 28 nothing type game. Uh, absolutely. Chris, can you give me a player on offense for Tech, defense for Tech, one of each, that you think needs to perform well against UVA and why? Uh, offense and defense. Um, <clears throat> defensively, I'm going to look at uh, Connor. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I, th- I think the corners are going to do a really good job against those outside receivers. Um, they're going to try to match up Reed against Connor in the slot, and he's got to tackle well against Reed, excuse me, in my opinion. Um, offensively, Man, you could go in a number of different directions. I, I'm inclined to think it's going to be uh, one of those outside receivers. It could be any of the receiving options. You never know if it's going to be Keen or Mitchell was the go-to guy at tight yeah. end. Um, but if I, I, if that cornerback plays, and I've already forgot, Heskin, if Heskin Smith plays at 5'11", 175, I think Virginia Tech has a tremendous advantage at wide receiver. So – you mean know. matching up defensively? Yeah. yeah. So so pick pick your Trey Turner, Hazelton, whoever out there. And and I think that's uh that's the guy who will have to make plays if they're matched up on that particular UVA defensive back because he's very vulnerable. I think the point about Chamari Connor is a really good one because uh you you saw what Carolina did getting him isolated in coverage. Uh Pitt couldn't do it. Can UVA do it using Joe Reed? You know, I think I think that's one of the more important things. That and but with his downfield accuracy rate, the worst in the yeah. ACC, that UNC quarterback's a real deal. Yeah, Sam Howell was P- hitting Perkins, downfield, is, Perkins isn't that good of a passer. Yeah. So so the concern is he actually does hit one. Yeah. You know. All right. So here, final thing before we get to questions, score, and. Who are we talking about on Monday's podcast as the guy for the Hokies if they win? Uh, so another one of our message board subscribers, I mentioned him, Kamikaze. Uh, he he has apparently has his own computer model that he uses to predict games. And one of the things that's been drawing everyone's attention is that, that Virginia is still 
by uh, by ESPN's FPI index, Virginia is still given something like a 60, 65% chance to beat Virginia Tech. And that's because ESPN's model is using the entire season, the entire body of work, like the NCAA selection committee. They're they're using the uh, the Ryan Willis offense as part of the equation. Yeah, and 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 the and the, the Duke game, <laughs> and, and the and the Duke game for defense. Yeah. Um, so, uh, but Kamikaze fed three different things into his uh, into his model. And I thought the discussion was interesting. If if you throw the whole season in, his model says UVA has something like a seventy seven percent chance of winning. Um, and I don't I don't want to. Uh, create dead air time by by looking at my paper so i'll just i'll be vague about it so then he took the um he took the second half of the season and he called that the virginia tech optimal model um he took the he, he took the second half of virginia tech season and uva's i believe entire season and that flipped it a little bit and gave tech a greater chance of winning and his score prediction came out to a 34 to 20 which is going to be my prediction. That's what I'm picking, Virginia Tech 34, UVA 20. Then he took a model where it's uh, Virginia Tech's second half of the season and UVA's last three games. And that one came out something like 40 to 25, Virginia Tech. Um, so interesting stuff. And I'm comfortable with the 34 to 20 model. Um, wouldn't surprise me if it wasn't that high scoring, you know, if it was – 24 to 10 instead of 34 to 20 but that's uh that's my take i love it i love i love what he ran and i think that makes sense to me and uh that's where i'm landing 34 20 hokies like i picked it 31 17 in my preview virginia tech i just i don't see any numbers outside of espn's fpi numbers which i think we all agree september shouldn't count for virginia tech it's completely different football <laughs> yeah um i can't see any numbers that would make me favor uva in this game Outside of the law of average, right? You know, and, and that and, always and something you. else I want to get to here in a minute. But go but, ahead. Yeah, I mean that's all I got. I mean, all the numbers point to Virginia and a player. Tech who we, who we talking about on Monday if Tech wins? It could be either side. Probably Hooker. Okay. Uh, I think it's probably Hooker. Okay. Um, uh, you know, the numbers indicate that he's a much much better quarterback than Bryce Perkins. This year. Yeah. By the way, Hendon Hooker's QB rating is one seventy nine, and if he had enough attempts and then played enough games, he'd be number eight in the country. Yeah. That tells you how well he's playing. So, uh, <clears throat> to get to the law of averages, he's got ten touchdowns and zero interceptions. How, how much longer <laughs> can you keep going on with the zero interceptions? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully, to whatever FC opponent, FCS opponent we start off the season with next year. Yeah. yeah. It's a, no, no, no. I, I just think that that uh, Tech needs to guard against feeling like they've got it all figured out and and like this is a foregone conclusion. Um, that that feeling in the pit of their stomach when they, when they went up against Georgia Tech when they went up against Pitt you got to keep that there you know you you can't be thinking hey two shutouts in a row uh, 103 right. to seven we've outscored the opposition in the last ten quarters man we'll just roll in there and beat them uh, I don't want to insult the players or coaches you know because once those two teams get on the field and they start doing the inevitable pregame jawing and stuff like that <laughs> everybody's going to be into it you know but uh, pl- play play with confidence but don't play with arrogance. You know, don't assume that you're going to go in there and win. Play with confidence, not arrogance. I think that is a great way to put a period on the conversation right right there. I like that. Uh, And I'm sure, you know, as jazzed up as we are for this podcast, we have viewers that are jazzed up about it. That's true. Uh, On the Tech Sideline podcast presented by the Fisher Law Firm, the best producer in the land, Malcolm Stewart. Happy Thanksgiving to you, my man. Uh, What's going on? All right. Let's get into it. 
Uh, Matt Williams asks, if VT beats UVA, do you think the opportunity to upset Clemson is more realistic than some of their previous teams? You know, it's weird. I haven't watched Clemson play once this year. Not one time. Yeah, I haven't either. Um, um, either I've been doing something else or they're even playing in the middle of a tech game or or, or what. Um, but I haven't seen them play outside of highlights. I, uh, they're a dominant defense. Again. Again. Um I don't think their their offense. Uh, the numbers might might say otherwise. I really don't know, but this is my per outside perception. I don't think their offense is quite as as good as it was the last time uh, they played Virginia Tech in the ACC championship game. Um, Tech played Clemson better in that game than anybody expected, and I think Tech played Clemson as well as they could the next year, considering the personnel disadvantage Virginia Tech had on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah. I'll say this, you know, before last week's game against Pitt, we, we, we said who's the most likely to win the division, Pitt, UVA, or Virginia Tech? And I said, well, put yourself in Clemson's shoes. Which team, which one of those three teams would you least like to play? And the answer easily is Virginia Tech because that's the only one of those three teams that would have a chance to score on Clemson. So I think, I think the possibility exists, but I think it's about a 15 to 20% chance. Yeah, uh, I've, I've actually been thinking about this, so it's a good question. Um, you know, if, if Tech does beat UVA, what, what do I really think about their chances to beat Clemson? Um, I was I was scared to death in 2016, and that ended up okay. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and Tech had Tech's quarterback back then was different, but he had the same effect on the team. He made the he made the entire team better. Talking about Gerard Evans. <clears throat> yeah, and if you remember, that game wasn't going well at all yeah. until Justin Fuente called for the fake punt. Until my personal trainer became the NCAA's highest-rated quarterback. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> perfect rating. Um, uh, and and then things kind of went Tech's way after that. Um, when was the last time Clemson suffered what you would call a shocking upset? Probably to Alabama in the College Football Playoff semifinals. Was that a That's shocking not a upset? shocking upset. Oh, good point. Sorry, I was thinking about the last time they really lost. Lo that um, Clemson game. Man. Or no, the Clemson game, the Syracuse game. Mm. Yeah, up well, at, up at the dome in twenty sixteen. Kelly, Kelly that, was, that was twenty sixteen. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but you know, Syracuse had a losing went on to have a losing record that yeah. year. Yeah. Um, um, I think they lost but, every game after here, that game. You know, Pitt beat him one time, right? Uh here's the thing. Anytime Clemson loses to anybody except for Alabama, it's a shocking upset because their talent level is just way Absolutely. better than anybody yeah. else's. All right. There's no way they should go through the regular season. Um yeah. Unless they're playing like a Virginia Tech and peak Virginia Tech year, that, that, that they should really lose a football game in the ACC. Their talent level is just so much higher than everybody else's right now. I think if Virginia Tech winds up playing Clemson in the ACC championship game, I think it's going to be, for me anyway, it's going to be very interesting to watch and determine how motivated and how fired up I think Clemson is. Because, I mean, how many have they won in a row now? They've been to a bunch of college football playoffs. So, at National what point does They didn't lose last year, right? No, they didn't lose They, they went undefeated, no, they, right? they ran um, the table. Yeah. Uh, it just it, – it, at what point you just, do you just kind of lose your concentration? Law of yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. And I actually thought about that as, as I started my answer. That could be the title of today's podcast. At, at, law of averages. Okay, I'll do that. <laughs> no, I, I was, no. at, at, at what point do you just start to lose your focus just a little too much? Sure. You know, so. It's a uh, great point. I don't know if we're even answering the question, but I like the question. Yeah. You know, I do too. You know, it's one of those things. Honestly, Clemson could blow Tech out if 
they have their A game, and Tech has a couple of unfortunate turnovers or something like that. But at the same time, you know, Tech could also win the game if, if Clemson's not quite, not quite on. Mm-hmm. Could you imagine Tech knocking them out of the college football playoff? And just that would, that would be. We'll talk about that next week. How about that? We'll see. Well, let's get right. sure the first. ACC yeah. would really appreciate that. Yeah. <laughs> so I think I think we basically already answered this, but uh, Chris Grella, who's better right now, Hooker or Perkins? I I think I don't think Perkins is a great passer. Uh, I think he's a top-notch competitor, a really tough guy. Uh, I don't know that Hooker's a great passer either. I, I think the offense they're running for him. Is, just, is working really, really well. He's doing a good job executing it, but he's not the type that's going to drop back. The, the, normal the, the phrase is sling it all over the yard. Sling he's it not all the over the yard, guys. go through his progressions, things like that. So I, I think for, for the offense he plays in, I, I think Hooker's better. I, I also think Perkins could do plenty of the same things Hooker does in Tech's offense. Yeah. So I think they're point. fairly similar. I, I think Hooker has better – little bit better personnel around him and i honestly i think he's better coached too now i will say this the 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 times i have watched uva play this year perkins is prone to and again you know don't don't at me bro i didn't watch all 11 games but there when i find that when i watch uva perkins will make a throw where i just go whoa where well, was you, that you got the stats right there his his 15 his touchdowns eight interceptions uh, it's, 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 uh, it's a percentage of turnover worthy plays yes five percent so one out of every twenty yeah, plays. On the other end of the spectrum are turnover-worthy plays, and his rate there is pretty high at five percent, eleventh out of fourteen ACC quarterbacks. Mm. So basically, one out of every twenty plays, he does something stupid. Yeah. He, so he, Tech will have about three chances at turnovers in this game at that rate. Here and there, he does make throws where you're just like, "What? Well, what was that?" Right. <laughs> so. Right. And you you. You don't really see that from Hooker. You they don't, don't, see, they don't you, put him in that position. You don't see that from Hooker because, for the most part, outside the Pittsburgh game, we've been able to run the football, and we're not sitting back there at third and 14. And and when we do sit back there in third and 14, we don't do something stupid like throw the ball over the middle you know, with, with a quarterback who hasn't really ever really been asked to do that yet in his right. career. Um, and with as good a defense as Tech has, you just run a draw and punt it because you got a great punt team, win the field position game. And Frank, I know it sounds boring. But it's effective. That's how you win games. Oh, by the way, UVA's punter only averages about 41 yards a punt. Bradburn, you know, if he's got the whole field yeah. to work with in good conditions, averages 48. Well, so here we are again. They still rank number one in the country in FEI special teams. UVA does? UVA does. Oh, wow. Now, now as far as, as, far as uh, PFF goes, Tech is third in the conference, UVA six. But as far because it's tough to rank special teams. Yeah. But as far as I can tell, there's there's – not a huge discernible difference. Well, UVA is probably teams. getting big returns out of Reed, right? Yeah, is that one of the things? Yeah. yeah. Oh. All right. <clears throat> uh, Sherrod Tatum, do you expect UVA to run some trick plays that they haven't shown so far? Oh, it's the last game of the season. You yeah. Can't hold anything back, right? Well, um, Chris, Chris told you it's going to come from that backup quarterback. I, they ran a fake punt against Liberty last week. And no one else. Well, that's just, put, I, that's just putting it on film. That's putting it on film to give something Virginia Tech something to think about, I guess. I, I wouldn't have done it. I, I think that'll make Tech sit back and punt safe a lot, and maybe UVA thinks they can pick up a few extra yards and a field position that way and, and stuff. But, uh, but yeah, you got to watch it out uh, for their backup quarterback who will get on the field some you know, like on, as a protector on, on the punt team and throw the ball and things like that. But 
Yeah, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me, but it wouldn't surprise me if Tech had one prepared, too, Well, against that aggressive UVA front. Remember, Tech ran that uh, trick play down, down on the goal line. Was it was it against uh, Georgia Tech, where they yeah, tried to throw Georgia it in? Maybe on throwback? Yeah, they tried the uh, the Ken Dorsey play. Right, yeah. that's exactly what I thought yep. of. And Willie Pyle wasn't there to pick it off and, right. and run it all the way back. Um, but I, I wonder if Tech could show that same thing and then do something different. Do something yeah. different, right. Good question. Hmm. <clears throat> All right, sort of a combined question from Eric Fisher and Chris Grella. Uh, how do you contain Perkins? Do you spy him with one of your linebackers? Is he more dangerous in or out of the pocket? Like, just how do you handle him? I think you depend on your defensive tackles getting penetration, and you tell your defensive ends, uh, don't get undisciplined. Make sure you contain him in the pocket, and then you tr- try to time your blitzes wisely. Um I think that's the main thing. Uh, I would – I mean, it's the old Nebraska game plan against Tyrod Taylor, which they, they executed incredibly Perfectly. well. Yeah. Um, don't let him get outside for sure. Um, and at the same time, try to figure out a way to not give him a lot of room and maneuver in the middle because I just I, – I don't like one-on-one situations with Perkins. For sure. Um, um, and the make, good th- make, sure, the, make sure it's crowded. The good thing about this is, you know, Tech doesn't have, like, elite pass-rushing defensive ends. Yeah. They have very, very average to below-average defensive ends as pass rushers to go. They're good players, but they're not good pass rushers. So there's really no point in telling them to, okay, guys, Dial it's, it back. it's third day. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, you really put your – go after the quarterback because they're probably not going to get there anyway. It's going to look about the right, same. Right, so you just got kind of rush them up the field, try to get them in the right spot. Well, now, and wait a minute. Remember, you, one of UVA's tackles is really struggling, so yeah. that, that could it's be different. It's a left tackle, so that'll be Belmore. All right. Right. Did we, answer? We, we sort of answered it. No, yeah. that was great. No, that was fantastic. So. <laughs> yeah. Uh, does it uh, – sorry, Troy Shiflet, does it hurt Tech if we – very hypothetically, if we beat UVA, beat Clemson, does that hurt our chance at a bowl? No, no, uh, no. It's an automatic bid. It's an automatic bid to the Orange Bowl if that happens. Yeah. Um, See, the ACC champion gets the Orange Bowl. The only way the ACC champion doesn't get the Orange Bowl is if the ACC champion goes to the playoffs, in which case the next highest-ranked ACC team gets the Orange Bowl. So if you beat UVA, and then you're unless the pollsters do something insane and and drop tech way down the rankings and push Wake up ahead of us. But Wake lost again last week, right? Uh, no, they beat Duke. There's, there's just the they're, only they're, team. They're they, nine and the three. only team that's within range of Tech in the rankings is UVA, right? And and by design in this discussion, yeah. you're beating them. So to to me, I, I don't think there's any way Tech ends up in another bowl except the Orange Bowl unless they lose to UVA. Yeah. It's it's Orange Bowl or. I don't know, Belk Bowl or something, so, so there, something like that. So there's not a scenario where winning the ACC is going to get you bumped from the Orange Bowl, right. I think is what you're, he's asking. Right, yeah. So, again, just just to put it out there in, in a broader term, you beat UVA, you're going to the Orange Bowl. Apparently yeah, it's, so. It's what it seems like. <laughs> yeah. So the uh, idea of doing the Tech Sideline podcast on a yacht in Miami lives on for another week. Yeah, it okay. does. <laughs> Let me check the budget. How about, how about one more, Malcolm? I think that's – Was that about it? I think that's about it. Awesome. Yeah. Great question. Those are really good yep. questions. Every week, they, yep. they come prepared. All right, well, uh, again, it is Thanksgiving week. I already asked Chris earlier about what the uh, 
It looks like we're going to have an article at 3 in the morning tomorrow on Thanksgiving <laughs> if, you're, if you can't sleep. Yeah, if, you're, if you happen to be up at 3 o'clock tomorrow morning, go ahead and check out my basketball game recap, which I guarantee you will be one of the shortest articles I've ever written. Uh, so yeah. instead of what's to come on TSA, how about this? What's already on the website right now that people can read here over yeah, the next couple of days? a bunch of content yesterday. We had, we had Eric Carr write an article about what the passing game looks like with Hendon Hooker, what's working, what they're not asking him to do. Cool. Things like that. It's I actually good. haven't had a chance to read that Oh, It's, it's, it's very good. Um, and then you've got Brandon Patterson's film review of Pitt and also his film review of, of what to expect from the UVA game. Okay. Lots of lots of good stuff. And, and Patterson yesterday. is not only very analytical, he's very entertaining. Very so entertaining also, yes. Yeah. And, uh, and then later this afternoon we'll have our game preview out, which will be basically everything we just talked about on the podcast yeah it's um so. it's what is it it's 1:20 in the afternoon we got to crunch the podcast together a game preview will probably be out 3 yeah, o'clock this like afternoon yep. great um do you want to shout out real quick so that's what's coming on tech sideline i kind of do like a uh, olympic sports update um and some of the other sports sides men's basketball what's going on with soccer that's what i was going to bring up so men's soccer knocked off a really really good new hampshire team By four to one yeah uh, they went down one nil they responded in three minutes to tie it uh, and then they ended up scoring two more. It was a really complete team. The crazy win. thing is Wisconsin has won so many games. Well, they only lost one game all year, something like that. In men's soccer? Yeah, yeah. But the Texas schedule has been so difficult that they the second, was probably like the third worst team they played. Men's soccer, the second highest ranked schedule in the country, or strength of schedule. It's the second toughest mm-hmm. Prob- in the nation. Probably beaten only by another ACC team. I mean, yep. It's got to be sure. ACC So um, they beat New Hampshire, and then they got the winner of Seattle and the seventh seed Stanford. The Hokies are the 10th seed. Seattle and Stanford went to PKs, and Stanford prevailed on, and advanced on PKs. So the Hokies go to Stanford in the round of 16 on Sunday afternoon. They get the winner of Providence and the number two overall seed Clemson. Um, if they were to win that the Elite Eight. So men's soccer, that's consecutive years. They're in the Sweet 16. And a uh, big shout-out to Mike Brizendine and uh, the men's soccer program. So, yep. um, All right. Well, guys, first off, hope you guys enjoy your Thanksgivings. Hope you get to sleep late, oh, and, as you said. Will, and uh, Will, I hope you eat lots of stuffing and enjoy your uh, – your, pick, pick it a little turkey. <laughs> what do, you, do you have people over to your house? Is that what you do? Yeah, not a lot. Not many this year. Uh, uh, Malcolm and his brother and sister are – home his sister's home because she's still in high school uh my sister and her husband are here and i think we're gonna have a niece and that's about it so awesome. not a not a huge uh huge crew which i kind of like it that way yeah i, I like it go. to be a little bit more controlled well i'm curious to ask you guys on monday if you guys do any backyard football or whatever who, who's the mvp of the stewart turkey bowl or uh you know could uh could see malcolm it would have to rock be in the backyard yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's not in his head. <laughs> well, listen to all of uh, the TSLers out there. Happy Thanksgiving. Enjoy your friends and family. And then get ready for game day on Friday. Hokies, Cavaliers, 12 o'clock kick on ABC. We'll break it all down on Monday's edition of the Tech Sideline Podcast. Again, enjoy the game. Enjoy your Thanksgiving. That'll do it for our podcast today. For our producer behind the scenes, Malcolm Stewart. On the podcast set, our managing editor, Chris Coleman, our founder and head honcho, Will Stewart. I'm Evan Hughes saying so long. Happy Thanksgiving, and we'll talk to you on Monday right here on the Tech Sideline Podcast presented by the Fisher Law Firm.